We're going to continue to worship the Lord with our gifts and our tithes and our offerings this morning. And I'd like to highlight a lot of different things that we're doing or supporting. Uh, but this is something I want to highlight. What Jesus is doing in the lives of people here is absolutely incredible. The miraculous healings that we saw last week, like, oh my goodness, that was so awesome. And seeing people that are coming and being baptized because they're making decisions to follow Jesus. Like, I can't thank you enough for your support and making Radiant a Church a place where people can come and they can encounter God because of your generous uh, sacrifice. So uh, thank you so much. And God, this morning as we give back to you, we thank you that you first gave to us. And Jesus, we're so grateful for everything you're doing, for every life that you're touching and changing, God. And we pray that there would be an increase of that, God, as we give to it. God, we want to see more people find the life that only you can give and find freedom and hope and healing that's only found in you. Jesus, thank you for all you've done, and we believe it's just the beginning. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, hey, if you're new here, thank you so much for being our guest today. We know there's a lot of things you could have done, but you decided to be here with us, and we're so grateful for that. In the a seat back in front of you, there's some communication cards. We'd love to have you fill one of those out and turn it in at the information table on your way out. We have free Radiant t-shirts for you as our way of saying thanks so much for being here. We'll give you some Radiant swag. And this week, I'll shoot you an email just thanking you for being our guest and seeing if there's anything that we can do for you. And also on the back, if you want prayer for anything, uh, the staff and I, were always praying for the different things. You can write down little prayer requests on the back and we keep it confidential, but we just love coming alongside and praying that God's going to do something miraculous in your life. Um, and then also we have our next steps class discover next week, which if you've ever wanted to know more about how God made you, how your personality and how the different gifts that he's given you line up and show you what God created you to do. This class is awesome for that. It's about an hour and a half long. We have lunches provided. It's all taken care of. So you can stop by the Next Steps table on your way out, get more information on that. And you can just show up next week right after service. We'll do that. It's incredible. Sybil teaches it, and she's awesome. I could just listen to her talk for hours. So even if you don't like it, you get to hear Sybil talk, which is awesome. And then today, we have a special guest with us. I'm going to invite him to come up to the stage. This is my friend, Marco Salazar. Who, yeah, let's walk, give him a big clap. He's awesome. You'll clap even more after he's done. And he is planting Radiant Church in Bay City, Michigan on September 17th. 10th. I am, okay, yep. On September 10th, he is planning Radiant Church in Bay City, Michigan. So he's right in the middle of that launch stage, gathering a team, doing all that stuff. And here's what I love about Marco. Is he's one of the, like the only person actually where he'll just text me. He'll say, "Hey, I'm going to be hanging out with some people tonight that don't know Jesus. Can you pray that God would give me something to say to them so that I can lead even just one person to Jesus?" I've probably gotten like five texts from you like that over the course of the last what since January or something. He's just passionate about reaching people for Jesus. He's not just someone that's looking for a platform to get up and sing and dance and all that kind of stuff, work one day a week. Like He's in this because he loves Jesus, and he wants other people to find in Jesus what we found. So, Marco, we love you. We're so glad you're here with us today, and we're just excited about Radiant All right, uh, good morning, Radiant Church. Good morning, man. I'm so excited to, uh, to be here this morning. Hey, weren't those baptisms amazing? Oh, my goodness. I was uh, just informed by Anna uh, that this was your first baptisms in this building. Praise God. That is amazing. Yes. Hey, let me remind you. I know that you probably know this, but I want to just remind you that uh, this right here, this us gathering, this building Man, it is a testimony of God's faithfulness, you guys. 
It's a testimony of God's goodness. And uh, I just want to say congratulations on the new building. You guys inspire me, okay? When I, when I see Pastor Jeremy and his wife and the team and what you guys are doing here in Ann Arbor, it inspires me. It, it motivates me. And so, man, I just want to say congratulations, guys. Uh, God is doing some great things. I am so excited for, uh, for Ann Arbor, for Radiant Church Ann Arbor and what God wants to do in the city and, and throughout this region. Um, before I go any further, I just want to uh, give a quick, uh, some quick shout-outs to, uh, uh, first and foremost, the most important person in my life besides Jesus, my wife, Carrie. She's in the front. <laughs> Wave your hand. <laughs> she doesn't like being put on the spot, but uh, I'm going to put her on the spot anyways. She's uh, my incredible wife, and we'll be married eight years this October. Woo, yeah. <laughs> Marriage is good. Uh, we have two little ones. Uh, Ariana is a little girl. She'll be three. Uh, this year, and then we have a baby boy, Ezra. He actually today he's he's turned two months, and so oh right yes, <laughs> and so uh, we're excited to plant uh, Radiant Church in Bay City, Michigan. Also, I got some team members here. I don't know where they're sitting. They're somewhere around here. Uh, they can wave their hands if they want to. Uh, two couples that uh, we love dearly that have been uh, really a part of our lives for many years. Ever since I was a, a college pastor. I, I got to pastor them through some of their college years, and now uh, they're on our launch team, and they love Jesus. They believe in what God wants to do in the city, and so I'm so thankful for them in my lives and thankful that they're here this morning. And then uh, last but not least, I just want to shout out and honor Pastor Jeremy and his wife. Uh, I love these guys. Yeah, you can clap for them. Pastor Jeremy is just a great friend. He's a great leader. He's a great shepherd. Um, he didn't pay me for this, I promise, all right? <laughs> and uh, hey, Pastor Jeremy, I just want to say I love you, man. Thank you so much. Uh, he makes me laugh. That's probably my favorite thing about him. I don't know how close you know him, but uh, last week, last Saturday, about, I think it was like 7 in the evening, I was feeding my daughter. I get a text. I'm like, oh, Jeremy Brown. I'm like, all right, let me, I better check this. Look at my text message. He says, hey, man, I can't wait to hear your message tomorrow morning. If there's anything you need, let me know. So I'm like, babe, ba babe, what's, what, when was I supposed to preach at Radiant? And like, he just gives it a few moments. And I'm like, I, I text him back, wait, dot, 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 dot. <laughs> and he says, just kidding, man. <laughs> That's one of the many reasons why I love him. But uh, seriously, uh, you know, when you plan a church, it's a daunting task. It's, it's scary, right? And you don't want to do it alone. I think guys who try to plant churches by themselves, that's like a terrible idea, okay? And so you need people in your life who have more experience than you do, who are wiser than you are, to speak uh, into your life and to uh, just give you guidance and encourage you and believe in you. And, man, every time I text Pastor Jamie, I'm like, hey, man, I'm freaking out because of this. He's like, Marco. Boom, 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 boom. He just lays out how God has been faithful uh, in my life and reminds me that God has got this and that God is, is bigger uh, than my fear. He's bigger than my circumstances and my situation. And so I'm just so uh, thankful to have him and his wife in our lives this morning. Listen, uh, showing honor is a good thing, right, man? Uh, I know it's kind of out of style in our culture, but the Apostle Paul says that we should outdo one another when it comes to showing honor. So I just wanted to do that this morning before I, I dove in. Well, this morning, I want to talk to you about prayer. 
And the name of my message is, Everyone is Looking for You. Everyone is Looking for You. Over the last probably year and a half to two years, I feel like God's really been reteaching me prayer. Kind of for the first time, I feel like it. I thought I knew what prayer was all about, but really, I mean, honestly, I, I had no idea. I don't know if you've ever felt like that. You thought you knew something or you thought you knew someone and, man, you had, you had no idea, right? And so I really feel like God is, is teaching me the power and the effectiveness of prayer. And uh, what I want to do is I want to take you through a passage this morning in Mark chapter 1. We'll, we'll be there in a few moments. And all I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to highlight three big ideas or three big truths that uh, the Holy Spirit revealed to me. And these three truths, uh, they challenged me, they, they convicted me, uh, they prodded me in the right direction, they kind of pushed me. Uh, when it came to prayer, they pushed me in the right direction. And so my prayer is for you, is that I'll do the same for you. So maybe you're here this morning and it's the first time, like you're, you're just learning about what prayer really is. You're, you're a new Christian and uh, you've always heard about prayer. Prayer is supposed to be a good thing. Or maybe you're, you're here and you have a, a, a pretty healthy prayer life. Or, or maybe you're here and you're, you're like a lot of us. You, you pray occasionally. You pray here and there. You know what I mean? But, man, if you were honest, you're like, man, I really I, I don't pray a whole lot as much as I should. I know we could probably all say that, right? I don't pray as much as I should. So we're going to dive into uh, Mark chapter 1. In just a few moments here. Before I do that, let me, let me do this. Let me, let me just pray, okay? Let me, let me pray for you. Let me pray for myself and, and our service. Let's, let's just pray together for a second. Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you, God. What a privilege it is to be in this house, God. What a privilege, privilege it is to meet with you. And so, God, as we uh, open uh, the pages of Scripture, God, we're, we realize that we're not just looking at words on a page, but we're meeting with you. We're encountering you. And so, Holy Spirit, would you do that? Would you, would you open our hearts this morning? Would you reveal yourself to us, God? Would you push and prod, prod us and, and convict us, perhaps, when it comes to prayer? And we thank you so much for this. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so Mark chapter 1. We'll have the verses up there. You can follow along. Let me open my Bible up here. We're going to pick up the story in verse 29, here's what it says. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went, <clears throat> he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Verse 35, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up. He left the house, and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, and here's where I got my title from, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach to there also. That is why I have come. 
So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. We'll end right there. Man, I love the Gospel of Mark. If you've ever read the Gospel of Mark, you, you, you'll notice that it's a, it's a really fast-paced gospel. If you read the whole thing through, you know, from chapter 1 all the way to the very end, you'll realize that, that Mark often uses the word immediately to kind of keep this narrative going. It's really fast-paced. And so right here in chapter 1, we see Jesus is in the thick of his ministry already, right? I mean, he's got people all around him, and he's healing uh, sick people, sick people with diseases. They've been sick for years, perhaps. He's casting out demons. He's got all of this ministry happening. In fact, uh, Jesus doesn't really even have to wait on ministry, right? It just comes to him. And so he's extremely busy. And when Peter and uh, some of the other disciples went to go look for him, he's off to a solitary place and he's praying, right? And when they finally find Jesus, they say this to him. They say, everyone is looking for you. Everyone is looking for you. I don't know about you, but I don't know if you've ever felt like that in your life. And here's what I mean. You've got everyone demanding of your time. You've got so much things to get done. There's not enough time in the day, right? There's family, there's your spouse, there's your kids, right? And everyone wants a piece of your time. It just seems like, how could you ever find any time to pray realistically, right? I mean, I, 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 I love kids. I, I love my own kids, at least. And so, <laughs> but listen, if you have kids, you understand this. And no offense against if you don't have any kids yet, that, that's cool. But if you have kids, man, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> beginning to realize this. Like, they are needy. They're super needy. Like there is, I mean, it's, it's cool. I like, I love being a parent. I love being a father. God's taught me so much about uh, his uh, fatherhood to me and how much he loves me. But man, my, my daughter Ariana is always asking me for something, right? More crackers and raisins, daddy. Crackers and raisins, daddy. I'm like, okay, I'm on it. I'm on it, right? And there's something to do. Oh, I mean, like every single moment of the day, like, I, I, I can't believe it. There are always these demands that our kids have on us, right? And then there are spouses, right? Our, of course, our spouses have needs, and we want to continue to date them and try to find quiet time to actually have a conversation with, with them and, and invest in them. And then there are our homes, right, our houses. Man, you ever watch HGTV, right? And they have these awesome, you know, projects where they flip this house in seven days. That's not realistic, man. Come on, right? And they're... I mean, but we can always have something to do in our house. There's always a project to get done. Now, guys, I don't know about you, but I, I'm not a handyman. I wish I was. I'm jealous of guys who are a handyman, right? Uh, and so every time I have to do something, i got to call someone else, right? It's a little bit embarrassing. But, guys, we are so optimistic. We are so optimistic when it comes to home projects, aren't we? Our wife says, hey, wait, wait. You know, you really need to go fix that door, or you need to fix this or whatever around the house. And we're like, babe, I got it. You know what? That's, that's going to take me about an hour, right? <laughs> Eight hours later, right, you're sunburned because you've been working outside on that shed all day. You're hangry because you haven't had a meal since morning time. 
And to make matters worse, listen, the project's not even done, right? And so there's always something to do in our houses. There are so many demands. Maybe you feel like you have an endless task list and very little time. So life gets busy sometimes. We all understand this. But here's what I noticed, and maybe you can identify. I hope it's not just me. But when life gets really busy, I'm tempted to, to throw prayer out the window, right? I'll be honest with you, when life isn't that busy at all, I'm tempted to kind of eliminate prayer from my life, right? In fact, prayer is one of those spiritual disciplines that I feel like I'm just always working on. It's a, it's a discipline. And But here what we notice about Jesus in his life when we read the Gospels, is that he did not eliminate prayer from his life. He kept it front and center. So let's go back to verse 32. Now I'm going to make a few points here in a moment. Verse 32 says this, that evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door. Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak with it because they knew who he was. All right, so here Jesus, again, he doesn't have to go looking for ministry. It shows up at his door. Now, I don't know if the whole town really showed up at his door, but for Mark and his perspective, right, it might as well have been that way, right? They were all there. And this, listen, ministry and the things that Jesus was doing, those are very good things, right? We can all, we can all agree to that. Those are really good things. Like, imagine if Radiant Church, Pastor Jeremy said, hey, you know what, uh, next month we're going to have an outreach, and we're going to pass out uh, food to hundreds and hundreds of needy people across uh, Ann Arbor, and I want you to show up. And you show up on that, that morning after church, and you've got this big food truck, and hundreds of people line up, and you're feeding all these people who are in need, and it's awesome. It feels like the whole town shows up. And then you've got little prayer pockets all over the parking lot, right, and you're praying with people. And as you're praying, you see people delivered from, you know, uh, addictions, and they're, they're healed. Uh, they're sick in their body, and they're, and they're healed. And you see these great things happening. That would be a really good thing, right? Amen? Right? That's good ministry. You would be so excited. You'd be like, Pastor Jamie, look what happened. Look, this guy, like, he was sick for you know, the last 10 years of his life, and we prayed for him, and all of a sudden he was healed. That would be amazing. And we would say, those are very good things, right? But here's what I want you to realize, and here's what my first big idea as we look at Jesus' life is that sometimes we can busy ourselves with seemingly good things only to miss out on the better thing. We busy ourselves with seemingly good things only to miss out on the better thing. We just all agree together, right, that ministry is good. Healing people is a good thing. You see a demon cast out of something, that is a good thing, okay? Somebody is healed of addiction, that's a really good thing. But here in this context, Jesus, listen, he chooses what? He chooses the better thing. And what's the better thing? It's prayer. It's time with his Father. It's communion with his Father. It's intimacy with God, right? I want to read to you from Luke 4.42. This is Luke's version of the story. Here's what it says, verse 42. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him. 
And when they came to where he was, they tried to, listen, keep him from leaving. They were trying to keep him from leaving. Listen, Jesus could have stayed up all night healing people. All right? He could have stayed up all night doing ministry. But he chose, listen, he chose to stop at a point and go and spend time with his father in prayer, right? He chose the better thing over a good thing. I want you to notice that in Mark's account and in Luke's account, they never say anything like, after Jesus healed every single person there, then he went off to prayer. They don't say that, do they? Why? Well, for one, that's that's not what happens, right? That's not the, the way the story goes, right? And number two, listen, Jesus had to choose to do the better thing, right? I think of a story that uh, many of you are probably well familiar with. It's in Luke chapter 10, and we don't have to go there right now. Martha and Mary. Martha welcomes Jesus into her home, and uh, Mary is her sister, and they're entertaining Jesus, and Mary decides that she's going to sit at the feet of Jesus, right? She's going to be in the very presence of God. She's going to listen to every word that comes from Jesus' mouth, and she's just going to Man, she's going to just soak it up and enjoy it, right? Now, what's Martha doing? Martha's doing the opposite. She's just busy. She's probably cleaning. She's maybe trying to get food prepared. She's all over the place. Now, there comes a point in the story where she gets so frustrated because Mary's not doing anything, and she goes to Jesus, right? Hey, Jesus, uh, hello. Like, you know, talk to my sister here. I'm doing all the work. I'm trying to get this house ready here for you. And she's just sitting at your feet, right? Do you not even care that this is happening right now? And I want you to notice that Jesus' response. Luke 10, 41, it says this. Martha, Martha. You know, when Jesus says your name twice, that's a big deal, right? <laughs> Marco, Marco. Oh, right? Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset. Worried and upset. You see those two things there? About many things, but few things are needed. Really, he says, one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is what? Better. Mary has chosen what is better. And it will not be taken away from her. Mary chooses what is better. Listen, ministry is good, Radiant Church. Ministry is really good. But what's better? Intimacy with God, right? Prayer. Sometimes we busy ourselves with seemingly good things only to miss out on the better thing. Let's keep going back in Mark's account of this story. We'll pick it back up in verse 35, Mark 1:35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Listen, you guys, I want you to notice this verse because this verse really shows us that Jesus was intentional about prayer, all right? Now, if Jesus was intentional about prayer, so will we, all right? If Jesus was intentional about prayer, so will we. I want you to notice the language in this text. There are four verbs that drive this passage. Oftentimes in the New Testament, the verbs will really drive the passage. We see that often in the epistles, in the letters, that the active verbs in the Greek 
drive the passage. It kind of does the same thing right here. I want you to notice these verbs. I'm going I'm to just kind of list them for you. First step for Jesus, he got up. It's hard to get up in the morning, isn't it? Amen? Amen? He got up. That was, first, that was number one. Second, left the house. He had, to, he, had to, he had to go somewhere else. Third, he went off. Fourth, he prayed. So for Jesus, it was a specific time, place, and purpose. It was a time, place, and purpose. There was a sequence here. He was intentional. Now listen, this message isn't um, primarily about how you should get up early in the morning like I do, because I don't always do it, okay? So <laughs> you should get up in the, every single morning at 5 in the morning and spend two hours in prayer. That, that, that's not really what this message is primarily about. But listen, here's what I do know. If you're going to have a prayer life, if you're going to pray on a regular basis, you're going to have to do it in an environment where there are no distractions. For most of us, I think that's, that's, that's early in the morning. I know some people say, oh, I pray at night. That's great. I'm not, you know, whatever. It's all good. I'm not legalistic about it. Right? And here's what I can testify. I can testify this about myself, and I know uh, lots of my friends who have said the same thing. When I wake up early in the morning to pray, and I spend that time with God, and I open up his word, and I pray, and I read scripture, meditate on some of the psalms. Throughout my day, it's not that I have a perfect day, because I don't, okay? But I don't, there's something about it that I feel God's presence and his guidance in a more profound way. When on those days that I wake up early and pray, I don't, I don't know what it is, right? But there's something about it. And listen, a lot of my friends have said the same thing. They say, Marco, listen, I'm not great at it either. I can't, I don't always get up. But when I do, I just, I just, I don't know. It's weird. I, I feel like God is just there in a more profound way, right? So if we're going to pray, listen, we have to be intentional about it. We've got to remove distractions. And this is so difficult because we live in the, in the age of distraction. We've got our cell phone always tied to our, to our hip, right? We're constantly getting text messages and, and voicemails and social media uh, and notifications, right? And when we got 20 minutes, I mean, why would you pray when you can catch up on How I Met Your Mother on Netflix, right? I mean, you can just, you've got your iPad right in front of you, all right? We live in an age of distraction. It's so easy to be distracted. And here's what we see from the narrative in Jesus. Listen, that he had to be intentional about prayer. And if he was, listen, we're going to have to do the very same thing. Here's my big idea. If we want to see prayer increase in our lives, we'll have to pursue it and understand that it will cost us something. We'll have to pursue it, and we need to understand it will cost us something. Listen, if you read Luke's gospel, it shows us the prayer life of Jesus, that he was intentional. I'm going to go through several verses very quickly. I'll throw them up here. Luke 4, 42, Jesus went out to a, what, a solitary place. Luke 5, 16, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Luke 6, 12, one of those days Jesus went out to a where? A mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. Luke 9, 18, once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowds say I am? Luke 11, 1. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. Luke twenty two forty one. 41, he, what, withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed. 
So we've got to remove distractions. We've got to be uh, intentional, about, intentional about our own prayer lives. Even if we just want to stay a few moments with God, we've got to be able to go somewhere where there are no distractions. Here, let's move on to my final sort of big idea for this morning. It comes in verse 36 of our Mark passage. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you, right? So they're probably thinking, Jesus, we got, a, we got so much ministry to do. Come on, come on, come on. Everyone is looking for you. Let's, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. I want you to notice, though, the way Jesus responds to them. Verse 38, <clears throat> Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So we traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Now here's what we notice from this passage. When they come looking for him, Jesus doesn't say, oh, okay, yeah, I'll, be, I'll be right there. I'll, I'll, I'll be right there. No, he's given, he's giving direction because he's been given direction, right? He's giving direction because he's been given direction. He's been praying to his father. And what happens through that prayer? Listen, it's purpose. It's purpose. Here's my third big main idea. <clears throat> Our purpose is revealed only, I believe this, only through prayer. Your purpose, my purpose, is revealed only through prayer, right? Let me reread verse 39, and I want you to catch the end of that verse. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues, because that's, what, that's why he came, right? That's what he said. And, and what? Driving out demons, right? What, what happens as a result of Jesus praying, right? Is he's driving out demons. The ministry is taking place, but what's the foundation built on? It's built on prayer, it's prayer, purpose, and then ministry. <clears throat> I think that's the sequence we see in the New Testament. Prayer, purpose, and then ministry. Listen, I'm so tempted. I don't know about you, but I'm so tempted to get that backwards, to flip it around. I'm so tempted, listen, to just dive into ministry. I've got ministry. And then tag prayer on at the end. I'll get to prayer when I get to it, God. I'm so busy doing all these good things, right? I'm praying for people. I'm, I'm counseling people. I'm meeting with people. God, I'll, I'll get to prayer eventually. Just let me do all these good things, right? But that's not the sequence that we see in the New Testament. We see that all of it, listen, is built on a foundation, on the bedrock of prayer. Prayer, purpose, and then ministry. It's so easy to get that backwards, right? You talk with guys and they're trying to dive right in, especially people who are really hungry for the Lord. They're trying to dive right into ministry. I've got all these opportunities. I've got all these opportunities. All right. But have you prayed about it, right? Have you really actually spent time with God and built that on the foundation of prayer? Because I believe, listen, it's only through prayer that our purpose is revealed. It begins with prayer. In my last ministry context, there was a, <clears throat> I used to live in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I was on staff at a 
a pretty large church there. It was close to 4,000 people. And um, I would meet with uh, my pastor occasionally, and I would have questions. And, and, and most of the questions that I had were just, I just needed guidance. So I'd come to him, and we'd go out for lunch, or I'd meet him in his office, and I'd say, hey, Jim, I need to, um, what do you think about this, right? And, I'd, and he would always ask me this. Have you prayed about it? <sighs> Come on, Jim. Have you prayed about it? And my answer was like, yeah. <laughs> I prayed. 30-second prayers. Two-minute prayers. And so Jim says, no, 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 Marco, have you prayed about it? Okay, <laughs> why don't you go pray about it first and come back to me? All right. So about this time last year, at this particular church, my wife and I were wrestling with, um, man, are we going to plant Radiant Church in Bay City? What, what are we going to do with our lives? And, I mean, we were seriously wondering what's, what's next, God. And uh, at this church, the leadership approached me. And they said, Marco, um, we, we'd like you to candidate to be our new youth pastor. We think you'd be a great fit for it. I'm like, okay, perhaps I would. I was already on staff there. <clears throat> I was already on staff there. I knew that it would be <clears throat> a good salary. It'd be a comfortable position, right? I had a rapport with the congregation. I knew lots of people. I knew the staff well. And so all of a sudden, Carrie and I, we're, we're wrestling with, are we going to plant this church or not? And then <clears throat> leadership comes to me, the executive pastor says, hey, I want you to, I think you're supposed to be a candidate. <clears throat> I'm just confused, you guys. I'm, all of a sudden, I'm confused. And so um, <clears throat> I said, you know what? I, I need a few days to pray. Fair enough, right? Fair enough. So I remember the next day, they have a prayer garden at this particular church, and um, I spent, uh, you know, almost two hours in prayer, and it was just, it was just like grueling prayer, right? It was like, have you ever had those prayers? It was just like, you're just like, I mean, you're going back and forth with God. I was just pouring it out. Come on, God, what are you doing? Like, I thought we're going to, are we going to plant a church? I mean, I, I'm not smart enough to make this decision. Come on, God, you got to show up. You got to tell me why I'm too dumb to make this decision, God, Right? You, I need you to speak. I, come on. I was reading Psalms, and I'd pray, and I was just laying it all out for God, right? I think we can do that in prayer because the psalmist gives us permission to do that, by the way. We lay out our, our hearts for him. He's a big God. He's not afraid of us, okay? I was laying out my heart for him and to him and just asking him, right? And I was looking for direction, right, at that time. During those few days, I remember talking with my buddy Tyler He's here uh, this morning, and we're on the phone. I'm at, I'm at Starbucks, actually. And Tyler's like, no, you're not supposed to take that position. You're supposed to go plant church, man. Come back home. And I'm like, okay, man, man, we'll see, we'll see. I, I know, I know, I know. I, I think you're right. I said, like, but Tyler, I, I, I love you, brother, but I just I need to hear from God. I just need to hear from God. And so I was praying right in that prayer garden, and I remember after like an hour of praying, 
feeling like I was getting nowhere. And all of a sudden, I just remembered like the quiet whisper of the Holy Spirit. And he said this to me, Marco, the only reason you would take this youth pastoring job is because you don't want to let the staff down. And people pleasing is a terrible reason to accept a job. People pleasing is a terrible reason to accept the job. In that moment, right then and there, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I texted my wife. I said, baby, I got an answer from God. God spoke to me. Yes, he spoke to me, right? But I had to wrestle with God. I had to seek God. It wasn't going to come out in one of those, you know, 30-second prayer. Hey, God, I really need this. You're at Kohl's. I need that parking spot. All right, sweet. Thank you, Lord. Right? No, 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 no. All right. God, please help me find a good deal. H&M, come on, God. Like, right. No, no, no. It wasn't going to be one of those prayers. It was going to be me pursuing God. And finally, in that moment, I just remember and hearing from God, I came home, I told my wife, and she was like, yeah, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> She's like, okay, we, we know. Like, we, we totally know. And the next day, I had a meeting with the associate pastor. He's like, hey, what's it going to be? We're, I said, you know what? I felt like I heard from God. And he's like, perfect. What did he say to you? I said, he, he told me that if I were to accept this position, I'd be people-pleasing. He's like, all right, fair enough, man. He's like, thank you for your honesty, and uh, I believe you. He's like, I, you heard from God, so we're cool with that. And so I was like, oh, right. I had clear direction from God, right? Sometimes in life, listen, we, we busy ourselves with good things, we miss out on the better, on the better thing. If we're going to pursue prayer, listen, we've got to be intentional. We've got to know that it will cost us something. And only in our prayer will our purposes be revealed. So as I wrap up uh, this sermon, I want to just pray for you guys, wherever you're at on your journey with prayer. I don't know if there's anything that spoke to you this morning. I hope there was. I hope the Holy Spirit spoke to your hearts and revealed something to you. But I want to just go ahead and, and, and pray for you. Pastor Jamie will come up here in just a moment, and he'll wrap up service. But let's pray together. Father God, we, we love you so much. God, it's so easy, I know, in my own life, God, to treat prayer flippantly. God, we know it in our heads, God. We know it in our heads that it's a good thing, it's important. That's what Christians should do. But Lord, as the, as the disciples asked Jesus in Luke chapter 11, Lord, teach us to pray. God, that, that is our request this morning. God, would you teach us to pray? Not just a, a 30-second prayer looking for a parking spot. Not just the kind of prayer that says, hey, God, I, would you help me pass this exam? Not just that, Lord, help me out in this moment. Those, those are good prayers, and we acknowledge those prayers. But God, would you take us further? Would you take us to a spot, to a place, God, where we pursue your heart? Teach us how to pray, Lord. God, and when we do that, when we remove distractions, God, speak to us, God. Confirm our purposes, God. Remind us of how much we are loved. God, do something new in our hearts this morning when it comes to prayer. Push us, prod us, convict us, challenge us. 
do it all by your Holy Spirit. We thank you so much that you are faithful to answer that prayer. It's in the beautiful name we pray. Amen.